This week, we're, uh, it's just a little one-off, um, a one-off message that we're doing. Next week, my man, I told everyone I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. My man right here, Brennan, Brennan, hop up for me for just a second. Uh, y'all give Brennan a hand. He's in the house tonight. He's here because next week, my wife and I, Stephanie, we're not going to be here. We're going to be on vacation, dropping our oldest off at camp uh, for the first time, like a sleepaway camp. I'm very curious to see how that's going to roll, but uh, we will not be here. All right, so, but Brennan, he's a pastor. Uh, he's a student pastor at a church called ILPC, Indian Lake Peninsula Church. That's on the residential side of Indian Lake. And uh, he and I have just become friends over the last couple months. He actually came to our launch day because we have some mutual friends and we've hit it off. Love his wife, Corey. And uh, man, I got to go, me and Joey did help lead worship at his camp a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he's paying me back by coming and doing this next, or the next week. So don't miss next week because we're not here. This does not matter. This church is not built on me. It's not built on Stephanie. Thank the Lord. It's built on God. And Brennan's got an amazing word he's bringing. Uh, I wouldn't put him up here if I didn't trust him. And then y'all are stuck with me for like the foreseeable future. I'm here uh, pretty much every other weekend from then on out. But I'm excited about that. But tonight, we're doing a little one-off. Um, and the original title I had for this was a little different. So before uh, we get going, uh, you, everyone should have a notes card. All right, everyone hold up your notes card. Okay, I see some. Okay, we're doing, okay. Next week, we're all gonna hold up our notes card, okay? Brennan's gonna ask. We're all gonna hold up, because why? Because science shows that if you take notes, you'll go to heaven. All right, so that's just the way it is. Um, I didn't make the rules, I'm just here to tell you. But for real, take notes. You don't know everything. And so taking notes is a way to humble yourself and go, I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna come to church in a posture of learning and I'm gonna remember what we're talking about. So bring your notes, write it down. Not because what I say is super amazing. Uh, uh, and sometimes it's just weird and, and stuff, but I promise you're gonna get more out of it if you put more into it. All right, so put more into it. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down plan B at the top. And then I want you to draw a big old X through plan B because here's the deal. And this might offend some of you. I'm sorry, I didn't say it this morning because it wasn't my church, but this is our church. Um, your plan B sucks. And I'm gonna prove it to you. A lot of us, we have a plan A and we're like, man, I really love to do this with my life, but I need to have something to fall back on. I need to have a safety net. I need to just be careful because if plan A doesn't work out, then I can do plan B. But your plan B is trash. It's not worth anything, right? Uh, for instance, uh, I'll tell you this, Stephanie and I are very different, okay? I can make life decisions in a drop of a hat. Like, hey, babe, let's go plant a church in Tennessee. I can make that decision in five seconds, okay? I can make a decision that, that life-altering in about five seconds. Stephanie takes longer to make those decisions, but she can make everyday decisions like super fast. Me, on the other hand, I can make a life-altering decision super fast, but if you take me to Target right now and you drop me in the deodorant aisle, I will stand there for, I'm not joking, 15 minutes. And I'll be, and I get the same deodorant every time. I don't ever change, but I'll get put in there. And I'm like, do I want fast acting or do I want long lasting? Like, I don't know which one I want, right? Like, because too many decisions, if you have too many options, it paralyzes you. I'll prove it to you. All right, raise your hand if you have Netflix in here. Come on. 
Don't be ashamed, okay? Keep your hand up. No one put your hand down. Raise, keep your hand up if you have another streaming account like HBO Max, you got Hulu, uh, you have Disney Plus. Come on, two hands for Disney Plus. That saved me so much money. It's not even funny. All right, so keep your hands up. Keep your hands up if you also have cable on top of all that. Okay, a few hands went down. Okay, put your hands down. Let me ask you if this has described your life at some point. You open up Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, whatever you got, okay? Cable, okay. And we all have endless options on Netflix. We have endless options. Disney's like my favorite thing in the world. I'll open up Disney Plus, and all of a sudden, I'm just scrolling. I'm scrolling. I don't want something funny. Do I want something like action-packed? Do I want to watch a show? Do I want to watch a movie? What? And you're just scrolling. And 45 minutes later, you haven't started watching anything because you can't choose. Is this just, come on, is anybody with me right now? Okay, because too many options paralyzes you, right? If you have too many options, it paralyzes you, okay? Maybe you're a planner. How many of you would say that you're a planner? Like, you don't like to be spontaneous, okay? How many spontaneous people in the house? Let's go. All right, you're my people. I love that. But there are some people that love to plan. They like to know what's going on. This is a big point of contention in my marriage a lot of times, right? Because Stephanie's a planner. And I'm a sponsor. Like, we're going out of town on Tuesday. And I guarantee you, on the way there, we're going to pass a weird museum on 65. I'm like, babe, let's go. That sounds really fun right now. Right? But she's like, we didn't plan. What are you doing? No, Right? But I'll prove to you, even if you're a planner or even if you're spontaneous, all of you really like your plan A better than you like your plan B. Here's how I know. How many people love driving on your spare tire in your car? Nobody, right? Because your plan A tire, like the real size tire, is what you want to drive all the time. You don't want to have a flat tire and then have to put your little bicycle tire on your car because if you have that tire, that's like your plan B tire. And if you're on your plan B tire, you can't go over like 38 miles an hour. Uh, it's your car is like weirdly lopsided because it's not the same size. And all of a sudden you got to go buy a new tire. Or if you're like me, this week, I learned how to plug a tire, by the way. So if you're, y'all would be a plot, a standing ovation if you really knew me, because that's a big deal. But you like having your plan A tire. Why? Because it gets you where you want to go a lot faster. But here's what I also know, is that all of us in here are human. And we love the idea of having a plan A. Like, man, man, we're gonna, I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna get this degree, but I'm really gonna minor in this just in case plan A doesn't work out. I got something to fall back on, right? But I think some of us are so used to having a backup plan that we default to having the backup plan. We default to our plan B when God has intended us to step into plan A. He's calling you to go all in to plan A. And so we're going to look at a story tonight of a guy named Elisha. Y'all say Elisha. All right, now y'all say Elijah. Okay, there's Elisha, there's Elijah. We're going to talk about both of them, and I'm going to mispronounce both of these names a thousand times because it's late and I'm tired. All right, so we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. We're going to start in verse 19, and we're going to look at a guy who had an option. Am I going to go all in on plan A? Or am I going to keep a little bit of plan B just in case this doesn't work out? Here's what it says. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. All right, so if you're in here and you don't know what to name your baby, there's a great option right there, okay? He was plowing a field. 
there were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. So he was getting his hands dirty. I like that. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. That sounds weird to us, but we'll talk about it in a second. It's not weird. All right, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, hey, first, let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. And then Elijah replied, okay, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. Come on, little... Old, or like Old Testament barbecue right there. All right, he passed it around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then uh, he went with Elijah as his assistant. All right, so we're gonna look, we're gonna break this down a little bit. And I'm gonna give you three things at the end that are gonna help you live in the plan A that God has for you, okay? So let's keep going. Let's look at this story a little slower. Elijah, he went and found Elisha and he was plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. All right, so here's what we can learn from this part of the story, all right? So Elisha was the man, okay? It was very uncommon back in the Old Testament times that you would have 12 teams of oxen plowing your field. That meant that Elisha was really good at what he did. That meant Elisha was most likely very wealthy. I mean, this guy had enough money to own all of this land. He had enough money to own all these animals, and he had enough money to pay people to operate his land. And so that was a big deal. That was like a farm around here that would have 12 tractors. Think about that. My in-laws had a farm. They only had one tractor. You know, and it was a little bit small farm and it's a lot of work, but this dude had a legitimate business. He was making a lot of money doing what he was doing and he was willing to get in and do the work. Now, this is a little side note. If you want to follow God with all your life, you can't be afraid of a little work, all right? It's going to cause you a little sweat. It's going to cause you some blood. It's going to cause you some tears sometimes, but it's always worth it. So Elisha, we can know right here, he's rich. He's wealthy, he's got a lot of oxen, and he's really good at what he does, all right? Let's keep going. And so Elijah, okay? So this guy comes walking up. Now, let me explain to you who Elijah is for a second. Elijah is like one of the dudes in the Bible that you read about that you're like, that guy was insane and he was awesome, right? Like, I would love to hang out with this guy. Elijah had just got done calling fire down from heaven, in front of all these people. And he was kind of like the man at this point. He went through a little season of depression and then God gives him his final assignment before he gets taken up to heaven. And God says, hey, I want you to do this one thing, but then I want you to go find Elisha and anoint him because he's gonna be the next you, right? And so Elijah has found Elisha. Elisha is planting or plowing the fields. And Elijah, he goes over to him and he throws his cloak across his shoulders and then he walked away. Now to us, I'm like, that's weird, right? Like if someone rolled up to you at Starbucks or at Black Press, where you'll find me Monday through Thursday, just about any time of day, right? Uh, if someone came up to you and gave you their jacket and put it on your shoulder, you'd be like, I'm gonna fight this guy. This is weird, right? But back then, this is not how it was. Back then, this was more of a symbolic gesture and Elisha would know exactly what Elijah was doing. Because that cloak represented the call of God. And so Elijah, who had had the call of God on his life, 
found Elisha, and he said, hey, my time is ending. I'm going to take off my cloak, and I'm going to put that call of God now on your shoulders. And so not only was he putting on a cloak, but he was putting on, literally, the call of God onto Elisha. And Elisha knew what this meant. He saw he was plowing his fields. He sees Elijah coming toward him thinking, man, that's Elijah. I wonder what he's doing here. And all of a sudden, Elijah probably stops these oxen. He takes his cloak off. He puts it on Elisha. And in that moment, Elisha's life changed forever. Like in that moment, Elisha felt the, the weight of the world on his shoulders because he knew like, man, I have some big shoes to fill. I have some big shoes to fill right now. And you know, I think this is, this is going to speak to somebody in here. Elisha, he was very good at what he did. And actually, when Elijah came and found him, he was doing that good thing. He was doing the thing that he was good at. And there's a lot of people in this room that you're good at something. You're a great mom. You're a great uh, business person. You're a great pastor. You're a great uh, fill-in-the-blank electrician, right? You're, you're great at what you do. And people come to you for advice. You're kind of known for doing that around town. And, and you might be good at something. Maybe you're smart. Uh, maybe, maybe you're good at a number of things, right? And you're good at things. But if we're not careful, we can make a really big mistake that I'm thankful Elisha didn't make. Because we can completely miss the God things in the midst of the good things. A lot of us are good at doing something. And the things that we're good at, man, we were known for that. And they're great things. They're not bad things. But a lot of times in doing those good things, God is trying to do something in you. But you're, you're too busy to miss it, right? Elisha could have been too busy fooling with plowing his field and doing these things. And he would have completely missed God literally stepping foot onto his field to give him the calling that would change his life forever. He could have missed the God thing in the midst of doing the good thing. But I don't care what you do. Don't miss the God thing in the midst of your good thing. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, guess what he was doing? He wasn't looking for a burning bush. That dude was taking care of sheep, cleaning up their poop, making sure they weren't walking off cliffs. He was just being a regular old shepherd. He wasn't doing anything. But he didn't miss the God thing in the midst of the good thing. The disciples, half of those jokers were fishermen. They weren't smart enough to do anything. And here comes Jesus rolling up on the shore. He gets in one of their boats. And all of a sudden, this carpenter starts to tell a fisherman how to do his job. But it was much more than that. Man, they were in there doing their good thing, but they didn't miss the God thing in the midst of doing their good thing. Don't miss what God wants to do in your everyday life. It doesn't have to look spectacular. It doesn't have to look miraculous and extravagant, but don't miss the God thing when you're doing your good thing because that could be the moment that you get a new plan A because a lot of times we think our good thing is our plan A. We think our good thing is this right here. Man, I'm just going to be the best uh, person. I, I'm going to be the best business guy I can be. I'm going to be the best uh, drummer I can be. I'm going to be the best whatever I can be. But we'll get so caught up doing this that we miss what God's trying to do. Elisha didn't miss what God was trying to do. And we can't either. Let's keep going. And says this. Elisha, y'all read this next part with me. Left the oxen. Okay, hold up. Can y'all read? All right, let's, let's do this a little louder, a little bit more confidence. I know we've never done this before, but we can do it. Here we go. Elisha left the oxen standing there. 
It's important to remember, but he did run after Elijah. Okay, so Elijah puts on the cloak. Elisha's like, oh my gosh, I've been called by God to go do something crazy. I don't know how I feel about this. So he left his oxen standing there, but then he ran after Elijah. He went and go, went, he didn't miss the God thing. He chased after the, the man of God and he, he went and go found him. But notice what he did. He got a new plan A. God put a cloak on him. He knew what his new plan A was. Hey, I guess I got to follow God, do what he says. But he left the plan B standing there. Hey, I, I, he's going to leave the oxen right here. Hey, let me go check out what this guy wants. But just in case this wasn't what I misinterpreted what was going on, just in case this doesn't work out, I'm going to leave my livelihood back here. I have to have a safety net. I got to fall back on something. So he left the oxen standing there. Then it says this. So he went up to Elijah and he said to him, hey, first, let me go tell my mom and dad goodbye. And then I'll go follow you. Right? Like first, hey, let me go do this thing. That's really not a bad thing. But, you know, hey, I'm going to go take care of this really quick. And then I think I'll be ready. And then I'll go do that. Well, Elijah didn't like that very much. Elijah says this. Elijah replied, okay, go back. Like, I'm not going to make you come with me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold your hand and drag you. But think about what I've done to you. Really think about what's happening in your life right now. You know, I think some of us, we feel God calling us to do things. God, God's calling you to be more generous. But hey, God, first, let me pay off my debt, and then I'll, I'll be able to be a little bit more generous. Oh, oh, I really want to serve. I really want to jump in at our next given meal, and I want to be involved. But man, you know, my, my kids got, you know, uh, basketball practice, or, or they're caught up doing this. Or, you know, I really should mow that day. And I got it. And after I do that, I'll, I'll go, I'll jump in and I'll serve. Oh, man, I really know I need to go do this. But first, let me take care of these things, right? We're so good at like making excuses. Man, God's calling me to do this, to step out of my comfort zone and to do something that could change somebody, that could make a difference in someone's life. But, ah, oh, man, I can't. I feel like I can't. I have to take care of these things first. Man, think about what God's calling you to do. He's calling you to do something, to depend on him and not on what you can do. There is no but first. There is no and then I'll do that. No, when God calls you to something, you go and do it. Man, I'm so glad God called us to plant this church when he did because about two weeks later, if we were to move two weeks later, we wouldn't be here. Because man, it's like, hey, but first, let me let COVID blow over and then we'll move up and do this, right? I'm so glad we didn't do that. So glad we moved when we did. There is no but first. Hey, let me go do this first. No, when, when God calls you to do something you do it. You do it. Let's keep going. Something must have clicked in Elisha's brain when he said that, because it says this. So Elisha returned to his oxen, and he slaughtered them. And he used the wood from the plow to build a fire and to have some good old steak that night. Come on. He was like, hey, if I'm going, I'm eating good. You know what I'm saying? But it's true. Sometimes, man, you have to be willing to do the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense if you're going to follow God. Because here's what I know, is that following God, it's hard. Following God sometimes will cost, really, following God every time is going to cost you something. And I think for some of us, it's time to kill the cows and burn the plows. 
Man, some of you, you've been holding on to the safety net like, oh, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can really go all in here. But God's calling you, hey, get back down there and kill the cows and burn the plows because what I have for you is greater than anything that's behind you. But you gotta, you, you have to do the thing that, that doesn't, that's kind of scary. You know, there was this guy. He was a Spanish conquistador. His name was Cortez. And he goes to Mexico. He's in the 1500s. He gets to Mexico and uh, he was charged by the, the Spanish to overthrow the Aztecs. Now, I'm not here to talk about if that was a great thing or not. Probably wasn't a great thing, but okay. But he gets there and that's his job. He's got to go overthrow the Aztecs. So he takes ships and ships of people, of men. They were warriors. They came from a civilized country. Like these dudes could fight. And they roll up into Mexico and they start making their way. And they, all of a sudden they see the Aztecs and they're supposed to defeat these people. Well, they start looking at the Aztecs. And have you ever seen somebody that's got like crazy eyes and you're like, this person could like kill me right now. And I, I don't think they would feel anything. You know, like they're just a little crazy. The Aztecs were like that. They were very barbaric. It meant nothing to them to get in a fight. And I'm talking like a street fight with you. You know, they're pulling hair. They're doing all the crazy stuff, right? Like they're crazy people. And all of a sudden they come in contact with these Aztecs. And Cortez notices that his men are getting scareder and scareder. They're getting more reluctant and more reluctant to go fight. And so Cortez looks at his men and he gives an order that they were probably like, dude, you're crazy, right? And Cortez looked at his men and he said, go back and burn the ships. The only way is to go forward. We're not going back home. He said, get back and burn the ships. And so that's what they did. And guess what? They were able to conquer the Aztecs because of it. Why? Because he eliminated their plan B. There was no fallback plan. There was no going back to Spain and avoiding this whole thing. No. He said, no, we're going all in and we're going to do this thing. Some of you need to burn your ships. You got something holding you back. You're maybe afraid to step into the future or maybe this, this over here, this plan B is looking real good every day. Like, man, I don't know if I can take this anymore. I, I, I need to go back and do this. But God is asking you, hey, if you want to follow me, it's all or nothing. Go all in. The people in the Bible that went all in are the people we read about in the Bible. They were the people that, that killed the cows, they burned the plows. That's the kind of stuff that God is looking for. He's looking for people that are going to do this. He's looking for people that are going to be committed to him enough. Because why? Because your plan B is nothing compared to God's plan A for your life. You don't need a backup plan. There's not a backup plan for Oasis Church. This is all, this is all we got. I can't even do anything else. I'm not good at anything else. This is it. And I'm glad. There's no safety net. I, that's what it takes to follow God. And I'm not trying to up here to tell you that I'm an amazing person. Come spend 15 minutes with me at my house and you'll learn real quick that I'm not. But I'm telling you, going all in on this was the best decision we've ever made. I love it. Every week, I love it. And it, has it been a walk in the park? Heck no. But hey, this is it. This is what we're going all in with this thing right here. I'm so excited about it. All right, so how can you go all in. How can you go all in with God's plan for your life? I'm going to give you three eyes, all right? Because this is what preachers do. We got three eyes. They all start with the same letter so we can all remember. The first one is this. You're going to have to give up your identity. Elisha 
What was he? He was a farmer. He was plowing fields. He was a successful farmer. That's what people knew him as. His whole team, I mean, he fired his whole team in one day and killed all the cows. I mean, can you believe that? He was a farmer. If you're going to go all in with God, if you're going to go all in with God's plan A, it's going to cost you your identity. I know for me, like I grew up, I was a worship pastor. I've done that my entire life. I'm better at that than I'm at anything else. But man, I had to wrestle with that before we moved up here. God was working on me and God said, you know what? You are not a worship pastor. You're a Christ follower. You are not what you do. I want you to hear that. Men, you're in this room. You tie what you do to who you are. And that is a trick of the devil. Because what happens when you retire? What happened? I mean, that's why a lot of retired guys struggle because they have this identity in what they did. Now they don't do that anymore. What happens when you get laid off? What happens when you, you, you hurt yourself and you can't go back to work? For like You struggle with this. But you are not what you do. Ladies, you are not what you do. Your first uh, responsibility and your first title is not mom. It's not spouse. It's Christ follower. And I'm telling you, you have to get rid of this. If you're wanting to go all in, God has to define who you are. You're no longer the mom. You're no longer the worship leader. You're no longer the pastor. You're, you're, not, you're not these things. You are a Christ follower first. And what do Christ followers do? They follow Christ. They go everywhere he tells them to go. They do exactly what he wants. And your identity can't be kept up in what you do. Your, your identity is in whose you are. The Bible says this in Galatians, I believe it's chapter three. Uh, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. It sounds a lot like a cloak that we put on, right? Like it, you put on Christ, you put on the jersey. It's like a, a Titans player. What do they play in? They play in their Titans jersey. Lord, please help us win a Super Bowl this year. Amen. Okay, but you, you put this on. Why? Because they're no longer the person that plays for the 49ers. They're no longer the person that plays for their college team. No, they're a Titan when they put on that Titans jersey. You put on Christ. You're no longer what you do for a living. You're no longer what your past says you are. You are a Christ follower. And it says like putting on a new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, a slave or free, male or female. Let me help you. There's no longer fill in the blank with the job that you have. When you become a Christian, you're no longer, uh, you're, you're no longer a serve pro employee, right? Like you're no longer a songwriter, producer. You're no longer this. No, that doesn't define you anymore. Your identity's changed. You're now a Christ follower for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you want to go all in with God, you have to be able to leave behind your identity. It's going to cost you your identity. I'm telling you, it happens to everybody that goes all in with Christ. You go, you know what? I'm not known by this. There's something bigger going on in my life. The second thing is this, your income. Oh boy, here we go. We're talking about money in church. Get ready. Not only is it gonna cost your identity, but it's like probably literally gonna cost you. And we haven't talked about tithing much here. We haven't talked about money a lot because I want y'all to like me, all right? But in all seriousness, I, we're gonna talk about it now, okay? Because I love you. And in fact, let me tell you this. If this makes you feel weird, give it to someone else. Don't give it here. Because you know what? Don't make me regret saying this, but we don't need your money. And it's not because we're rich. I can tell you that right now. But God's gonna take care of his church. 
we don't need your money. You need to be obedient with your money because of what God wants to do in you. And I'm not even just talking about tithing. Now listen, while I'm talking about tithing, let me say this, okay? There's an offering bucket in the back. No, there is, but in all seriousness, everything that you have does not belong to you. Man, some of you do really well in your business and and God has blessed you in that that way. He has not chosen to do that in my life yet, okay? But I wanna be faithful with our money. And let me tell you, the Bible teaches that really everything belongs to God, uh, but that first 10% of what you make is what we call a tithe. That like really doesn't belong to you. That's why whenever we come, we bring our tithes. We don't give our tithes. You can't give something to someone that it's already theirs, but you bring it. You bring it and, and, and you give it back to God because that first 10% is his. Now we'll do a whole series about that in the fall. I'm super excited about it, but I want you to know if you're going to go all in, it's going to require something of you. Now, this is a very generous church. I, when this pandemic started, I didn't know how God was going to make this thing happen but he has, and I'm very thankful for it. But some of you, man, this money thing, you're getting a little tense in here, you get a little hot. Well, maybe this is something you need to like think about. And here, I just wanna tell you, people need your generosity. This church doesn't need your generosity, okay? But people need your generosity. And if you're gonna go all in with God, it's going to cost you something. There's, there's people in this room that can solve so many problems for people. And God has given you the gift of giving. And I'm not even talking about giving it to our church. But there's a single mom that you know that needs diapers. She needs formula. She might need a car. And some of you, you might have an extra car that you think is a piece of junk, but guess what? That's like driving a Tesla to this single mom right? Like you have to start looking at things and go, God, this is yours. I'm all in. And if I like this thing, uh, great. But if you're going to ask me to give it, I'm, I'm all in. I'm giving it. I'm doing it. You know, for me, uh, and I'm not, I don't want to say this to toot my own horn. This is something that I've, I don't struggle with a whole lot. I struggle with a lot of things, but man, I, I'm pretty open-handed when it comes to money too open-handed a lot of times, as Stephanie would tell you, but this isn't a struggle for me. And I just want to tell you, there's no better feeling than to be generous. And I'll tell you, the biggest acts of generosity that we've done have nothing to do with a church. Like I've never given it to a church. It's always gone to an individual. Now, if you want to be super generous to the church, we gladly accept it, all right? But I'm not talking about that. I I remember I actually, uh, I told you I was a worship pastor. I had a guitar. That was my dream guitar. And it was a 1953 Gibson. I've never had a nice, this is probably the first nice guitar. Our sound guy can tell you all my guitars have sounded like trash most of my life. I finally got a new one once I left here, by the way. And it sounded amazing. I loved it. It was old. I wanted to keep it till it was 100, which isn't crazy, right? Like a 100-year-old guitar is pretty cool. And uh, I loved it. I, I babied that thing. I mean, I would change its strings and I would like hydrate the fretboard, right? And I would polish it. I would um, I'd put the best pickup money could buy in there. I played it all the time. I, it was like one of my children, all right? I loved it. I never wanted another guitar. I was like that sort of thing. And uh, I remember uh, I started investing into this guy at the church we came from, and I saw a lot of potential in him as a worship pastor. And he was like, 
in high school at the time and, and he was really good. And I'm like, man, that dude has a lot of potential. His guitar is really bad, but like he'll, he'll get one one day. Right. And, and all this stuff. And one day God said, Hey, I want you to give your guitar to that guy. I'm like, what'd you say? Right. Did you, the the guitar, the, the dream guitar, right? And God said, yeah, that's probably the only thing in my life. I wouldn't have given away. And I said, okay, this is your guitar. You know, and so I remember um, calling him into a room after an event, and I said, hey, Caleb, um, this is probably going to make you feel awkward, but I want to invest into you because I see an anointing of God on your life, and God has asked me to give you my guitar. And he was like speechless. He didn't even know how to react, right? When you do something generous for somebody, most of the time it's really weird in a really good way, right? Because they're like, wait, what? What are you doing? And I remember giving him my guitar. And then that joker didn't even play that guitar for like a year and a half. I've seen him on Instagram. I'm like, Caleb, that thing, I was using that thing every week, you know? But he started playing this guitar. I've seen it recently. And last week, this kid was leading worship for about two, 3,000 students at a student conference. Now, was that because of me? No. But I bet him receiving that changed his life. And somebody in here needs to be generous this week. Do something crazy. Do something that doesn't make sense. Now, don't get into debt to do this. I'm not telling you that. But man, some of you have things. Man, you, you want to sell all this baby clothes that you got at your house? Well, get, don't consign it. Give it to somebody. Give someone a car. Like, do something crazy. I'm telling you, when you go all in for God, he's going to bless you. And I'm not talking financially, anything like that, but I'm telling you, God honors generosity. And sometimes we have to let go of our income. If we want to go all in for God, we got to go, God, this isn't even mine anyways. It's yours. Anything. God, just like that song we just sang, you can have it all. Not all, but except for these things over here. No, you can have it all. You can have my life. You can have my family. You can have my possessions. You can have my, my desire. You can have it all. It's all yours. When you start living that way, when this church starts to live that way, nothing can stop what God wants to do. Man, that's where you start to live in the blessing of God. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a prosperity thing. I'm not preaching that, but there's a blessing that comes with it. Why? Because it's always more blessed to give than it is to receive. And some of you get hung up right here. But here's what the Bible says. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your money is, I can follow that money trail and I can see where the desires of your heart are. Man, go all in with this. And if you don't think, it's not about Oasis Church. I can't say that enough. Give it to another thing. But trust God with it. Trust God with all of your finances and see what he will do in your life because it'll blow you away. I'm telling you right now, me and Stephanie, we've given away five cars. And we've had five cars given back to us and they keep getting better. I'm about to give away our cars again, right? But seriously, man, the stuff you have, it's not even yours anyway. It's all God's. He can take it from you like that. So be open-handed with it. Man, don't, don't get so caught up in all this stuff. Elisha, he left all of his income to go follow God. All of it. And that's scary. Man, we, we did the same thing. We came up here to start a church. This isn't a lucrative business, but it ain't about the money. I don't care. God takes care of us every day. But man, I, I'm telling you, that might be the one thing that's holding you back right now. 
man, be generous and let, see what God wants to do in your life. Joey, you can come up. Last thing is your influence. So not only is it gonna cost you your identity to go all in, it's gonna cost your income to go all in, and it's gonna cost your influence. Some of us in here, we're addicted to influence. We like being able to, to tell people what to do. We like to be the man of the house. We like to be the, the awesome mom. We like to, to have the, the cush job at work, and we have these people working for us. Like, we like to influence. But if we're not careful, when we get so focused on the influence we have that we don't give God any influence in our lives. And Elisha had a lot of influence. Elisha, man, he had 12 teams of oxen working for him. He had a lot of influence. And guess what? He left that, what does the Bible say? To become an assistant. To take the, not, a, not even a lateral move, like a demotion. I mean, that dude was washing Elijah's feet. He was getting Elijah coffee. He was the intern at that point. He got rid of all that. That influence didn't, didn't, didn't lure him in. He said, nope, I'm going all in. I'm going right there. I'm following the man of God and I'm going all in. That's what God honors. In fact, uh, whenever we started this, uh, we ended 2020, we had a Christmas party in here. And I was telling the team, we were doing the Christmas party, like, hey, I think God's, God's like phrase for us this year is all in. A few of us were there, you might remember that. I'm gonna ask you, man, will you go all in here? There's 93,000 people in Sumner County, the buckle of the Bible Belt. There's a hundred churches between here and Long Island, between here and ILPC. And there's still 93,000 people that don't go church anywhere. They don't know Jesus. They're going through stuff without a hope. Come on, will y'all go all in? And help us reach these 93,000 people and I don't even, listen, it's not even about filling this room up. It's about introducing people to the person and the only thing that can change their life. There's people hurting out there. They're going through stuff. They got mental health issues. They're going through divorces. They're, we had a family, I'm doing a memorial service tomorrow night for that boy that accidentally shot himself a couple weeks ago in Gullisville. You think that, that family's going, they need a church. They need people that are all in and go, you know what? I'm here. We're going to do something. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do something for them, right? There's people on the corner up here in Rivergate that just need food, right? They need a church to be all in. They need a people that are all in to make, to make a difference here. This is your invitation. Let's go all in. In September, we're going to be meeting somewhere else on Sunday morning. We're going to do a big fall kickoff. We need you to be all in. Our church is about to grow a bunch. I can feel it in my spirit. I'm telling you right now, we're at this point where we've been sowing and sowing and sowing and God is bringing a harvest and we need people that are all in to help us. Will you be all in? Will you help us? Man, get, bring people here. Be all in. Invite them. To, next week, he's talking about it. People are going to come know Jesus next week. They need people that are all in to bring them. They need people all in to tell them about it outside. They need all in people. Will you be all in with us? I'm telling you, God wants to do something, but he, he uses people that are all in. If you don't believe me, look at Moses. Moses had to get rid of all those three things and he was all in. And look what God did. Look at the disciples. 
These people, they were dumb as rocks. They didn't know anything. They were actually uh, rejected by the, the system, the church system. They weren't even good enough to be a part of the church at that time. But God saw them. Jesus saw them and said, hey, listen, abandon everything and come follow me. And God turned them. You wouldn't be sitting in this room for, for those people. He can use anybody. He's just waiting for people to go all in. Paul. Man, Paul had all the influence, all the income. He had, uh, his identity was tied up in what he did. And then on the road to Damascus, God changed his life. He gave up it all. He went all in. God's waiting on people that are just available. He's waiting on people that are just go, okay, my yes is on the table. You want me to bless this person financially? Yes. You want me to come over here and serve? Yes. You want me to do this? Yes, I'm all in. And watch this place change. Not Oasis Church, Sumner County. Watch it change. God, this is not our church. This is not Stephanie's church. This is your church. God, help us be people that are all in, that are just willing and hungry to do whatever it takes to reach people. God, help us. God, you have seen us sow. You've seen us plant the seeds. You've seen us work. You've seen us plowing. And God, I know that the harvest is on its way. I know. God, would you help us be all in? Not so that this church can be famous. I don't care about any of that. But God, so that people can come into a relationship with you where their whole life changes. God, their family trees change. God, would you help us? Jesus, uh, I, I pray in this moment, God, that for the people that might want to take that step and go all in with you, God, would you soften their heart right now? Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the first step and to go on all in with God's plan A is to go all in with Jesus and to give him your life. So if that's you, if you want to invite Jesus in your life tonight, I'd love to pray for you. And the count of three, just raise your hand. Nothing to be shy about. This is what we're here for. But if you want to do that on the count of three, raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. All right, you can put your hands down. If that was you, or maybe you didn't even want to raise your hand. You felt embarrassed. Say this prayer in your heart. Now, listen, this prayer is a magical. It's not about the words. It's not, if you get a word wrong, you're, you can still go to heaven, okay? But it's about the posture of your heart. If you want to invite Jesus into your life, come on, say this. Say, dear God, I need you. I invite you into my life. I receive what you've done for me on the cross. And I'm going all in with you. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, y'all give God a hand in this place. Woo!